Butts and Guts, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Butts and Guts. I'm your host, Scott Steele, the chair of colorectal surgery and the president of main campus here at the Cleveland Clinic in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. And today I'm very pleased to have Dr. Jessica Berry, who is a pediatric gastroenterologist in the Department of Gastroenterology, Hepatology, and Nutrition here at Cleveland Clinic Children's. Dr. Berry, thanks so much for joining us on Butts and Guts. Thank you so much for having me. So today we're going to talk about something I don't think we've ever talked about before, and that is small bowel enteroscopy in the pediatric setting. But before we jump into that, we always like to get to know our guests. And so Dr. Barry, if you can give us a little bit about your background for the listeners. So I'm a pediatric gastroenterologist, as you said. I'm actually from Vermont. I came here in 2011 and did all my training here at the clinic. I did pathology for a couple of years, and then I switched over to peds. So I did my pediatrics residency, and then did my gastroenterology fellowship and have been here as staff since that time. I actually came with my husband, who is an adult gastroenterologist. So we came and did all our training, and now we have two little ones, uh, and our family's here and, and settled in Cleveland, and we love it. Well, that's fantastic, and we sure are glad that you're here. So as I said, today we're going to talk about small bowel enteroscopy in the pediatric setting. But before we get there, what is small bowel enteroscopy? Yeah, so good question. So small bowel enteroscopy is essentially an endoscopic mechanism to look at the extensive component from the small intestine to be able to have a full visualization of the small bowel, whereas typically endoscopy from above only goes to about the second to sometimes the third portion of the small intestine, which is the first aspect, which is the duodenum. And then colonoscopy typically just goes a little bit further into the terminal ileum, which is the last portion of the small bowel, and then looks at the remaining of the colon. So this endoscopic mechanism or process allows us to look at the full entirety of the small bowel through either an enterograde or a retrograde manner. So I think a lot of listeners may have heard this in the past for adults, but when did this enter the pediatric setting? Enteroscopy, single balloon and double balloon, came about in the early like 2000s, first was 2000 and then about 2008 for the second mechanism. And for a pediatric standpoint, shortly after, like I would say... 2012 or 2010 or so, providers started doing it on younger and younger gastroenterology patients. And within the clinic here, I am the only provider that does pediatric enteroscopy as a pediatric gastroenterologist. And then there are providers in the adult group where I was fortunate enough to train with to be able to perform those techniques in children. But it's a relatively less common procedure to be able to be performed because there are not many pediatric gastroenterologists or adult gastroenterologists who feel comfortable completing the procedure. So take us a little bit more into the procedure itself. So who would you do this procedure on and then how does it work? Sure. So this procedure is really reserved for patients that we need to really take a look at the small bowel in further evaluation. So certain patients that this may be considered on are those with small bowel Crohn's disease. If we have imaging and no biopsies from other aspects of the intestinal tract, as I mentioned, via standard endoscopy or colonoscopy, we weren't able to make the diagnosis. There were concerning findings on labs or imaging making us wonder or concern about or maybe capsule endoscopy that there may be findings in the small bowel so that we'd be able to get tissue biopsies for a confirmatory diagnosis. Additionally, this procedure is utilized for concerns of small bowel bleeding or unknown GI bleeding, be it that there, again, wasn't found initially in a standard endoscopy or in colonoscopy. They're having hematochesia, melana, or hematemesis looking for that underlying cause. 
And then also sometimes I have been questioned where or asked to perform the procedure in patients that were initially bleeding. And then there was a question of possibility of metastases into the small bowel or tumor polyps. So other masses that often present with hypoalbuminemia or GI bleeding to further help make that diagnosis. So truth or myth, truth or myth. A small bowel enteroscopy can provide a more thorough evaluation of pediatric patients and actually potentially reduces the need for more invasive procedures. I would say it's a little bit of both. So in most cases, that's the hope, right? That I'm able to either find the source, say it's a GI bleed, and we're unsure based on other studies have been negative, maybe imaging techniques or standard endoscopy, colonoscopy, weren't able to find the source. Sometimes then I go and do enteroscopy. The hope is that I may be able to find the source. Perhaps it's a polyp, a vascular malformation, and then I'd be able to, or say maybe somebody who's undergone prior procedures and has anastomotic ulcers, I'd be able to treat that source of bleeding to stop further episodes and diagnose where the source was, what is that underlying etiology. But in some cases, it's not always the answer. And I may not find the cause. And it may still be that the patient needs to undergo further evaluation, which may include surgical procedures such as laparoscopy or exploratory surgeries, where sometimes I am then also included to help assist to evaluate the bowel from intraluminal while there is an extraluminal evaluation happening. So give us a look behind the curtain. What does a normal small bowel look like? And what are you actually looking for when you perform a small bowel enteroscopy? Yeah, sure. So I always say and describe it, most of the small bowel looks like kind of a a healthy shag carpet appearance. It should be nice and pink, normal villi. We shouldn't see any erosions, flattening, ulcerations, or polypoid or other extraneous masses. Um, A nice, healthy small bowel wouldn't show me any evidence of current or recent bleeding like stigmata. So sometimes I might see fresh blood or I might see older blood or areas of ulcer that now no longer have visible vessels or active bleeding occurring. But the hope is that it looks nice and healthy, but if it doesn't, then I'm able to identify it so that I can treat it. So I got to be honest with you, if I told my daughter that she was going to small ball enteroscopy, she might be pretty intimidated no matter what her age has been or what it is right now. So how do you help a child through this entire process? Yeah, it's a good question. So similarly to how we are able to help our patients when they're undergoing endoscopy and colonoscopy, we're really fortunate to have a wonderful team of pediatric-directed endoscopy nurses, anesthesiologists, our child life. So no procedure is easy for any patient, child, parent, any adult. And we help them to be as comfortable as possible. They're under general anesthesia for the entire procedure. So with medications, their memory or recall of the event is fairly limited, and I keep them as comfortable as possible. I use CO2 insufflation, so they have minimal gas, and that discomfort after the procedure is decreased. And just making sure I explain to them as best as possible in their terms of what's going to happen. I like to describe it as kind of pulling a sock over a limb or onto your foot, and that I use a balloon to help me move through to hold on to the bowel so that I can really kind of move my way through in a safe but efficient manner so I can see all aspects and be able to try to help them. So are there any advancements on the horizon when it comes to this procedure, small bowel enteroscopy in the pediatric setting? So I think there's always new things coming down the pike right now. There is no new development that I am aware of other than the double balloon and the single balloon devices and the equipment that's available. 
there are some studies in adult populations looking at different techniques and different scopes that are able to move through the bowel in a similar but a little bit different fashion. But right now that's not being looked at in pediatrics. And oftentimes I'm using balloon enteroscopy in coordination with video capsule endoscopy if it may have been done prior or after if I'm still not able to get all the way to where I need to. But otherwise, no other new equipment right now. And two final questions. Number one, how long does it take and can you get through the entire small bowel? Yeah. So I say in typical that the procedure itself, if I'm doing a colonoscopy as well as a balloon enteroscopy, and in some patients, especially for polyposis disorders in evaluation, which is a typical reason why I might be doing the procedure in both combined, that can be a little bit of a longer procedure. I typically say about two hours just because I have to do an upper endoscopy, a colonoscopy, and then make sure that I can really look through the entire small bowel with an anterograde enteroscopy. Now, in a patient that maybe is not having a colonoscopy and we're just doing an enterograde enteroscopy with a single balloon. It's about an hour, sometimes a little more, a little less. And in most cases, I am able to, depending on the size of the child, the prep and what I'm looking for and what are the reasons for the procedure, there's better success overall for patients undergoing enterograde enteroscopy to be able to visualize the entire small bowel. Retrograde sometimes is a little bit lower and sometimes we do have to go from both aspects to be able to try to look at everything. But I say most of the time I'm able to get a really good look. And the nice component is if I feel like I did not reach, you know, to my full extent or reach my area of concern to assist with my surgical colleagues, I'm able to apply like a tattoo or a clipping device mechanism that then they are able to help in utilization if they do have to go for laparoscopic evaluation or open evaluation to try to be able to identify my markings, which is really important, especially I utilize this procedure a lot in patients who perhaps have undergone multiple prior intestinal resections, they have short gut, their anatomy is a little bit more complicated, a lot of adhesions to really help them to find. And that's something I've done frequently and have actually utilized for cases where there's maybe metastatic disease, unfortunately. Well, now it's time for our quick hitters as we get to know you just a little bit better. So first of all, if I was to turn on your favorite music device, what type of music would I be listening to? Oh, I listen to everything, uh, really. Nothing is very specific. The only thing I'm not a big fan of, I don't listen to a lot of country music. Sounds good. So Taylor Swift. Second of all, what is your first car? Oh, I had a Honda Civic. Third, tell me about a trip that you either want to go on or that you have already gone on that you would recommend to our listeners. Oh, as a family, we go to Grand Cayman every year and we stay at the Kimpton, which is really fun. It's a great family resort and it's beautiful. So I highly recommend it. We're going in May. Fantastic. And then finally, tell us something that you like about living here in Northeast Ohio. I really love the seasonal changes. It reminds me a lot of I'm from Vermont. So it kind of keeps me feeling like home. It's really beautiful and there's lots to do outdoors, which is very familiar to me. Fantastic. So what's a final take-home message for our listeners regarding this? I think it's really important to recognize that this procedure is an option for patients and we're able to provide it in a pediatric setting and if needed in assistance with our adult colleagues and to know it's available. And I get a lot of patients that are coming from all over uh, for you know, polyposis disorder evaluations or questions about prior diagnosis of small bowel Crohn's. And I think it's important to note we are able to get tissue and evaluate to help solidify diagnoses when needed. 
Well, that's fantastic. And so to learn more about the Department of Gastroenterology, Hepatology, and Nutrition here at Cleveland Clinic Children's, please visit clevelandclinicchildrens.org slash GI. Again, that's clevelandclinicchildrens.org slash GI. You can also call us at 216-444-5437. That's 216-444-5437. Dr. Barry, thanks so much for joining us on Butts and Guts. Thanks for having me. That wraps things up here at Cleveland Clinic. Until next time, thanks for listening to Butts and Guts.